Good morning. My name's Thad Lanthrop. I'm the executive pastor here at CIV, and today we're continuing on in our Questions People Ask message series, where we're looking at some of the most common questions that people have about the Christian faith. And this message series is adapted from a series that was done, and a book that uh, was done by James Emery White, who is a pastor in North Carolina. And we're actually giving away the book that goes with this series. It's called Christianity for People Who Aren't Christians. And I hope that you fill out the connection card, check the box that you would like this book, and um, that you we could send it to you. Because this will really help you with the questions that you might have about the Christian faith if you're not yet a follower. If you are already a follower of Christ, I encourage you to read this book as well. It will strengthen and fortify your faith as you look at the answers to these common questions that people have, that we all have, about the Christian faith. Now, we're continuing on in the message series this week. Last week, we looked at questions about Jesus was he a real man who lived on earth? And did he really die and rise from the dead like it talks about in the Bible? We answered those questions last week. And this week, we're going to look at some questions about God. And we're going to look specifically at what kind of God is the God of the Bible. We all have a picture of what God is like in our head. But the question is, is that picture really accurate? Is that really who God is? And one of the main questions that people have when they think about what kind of God is, what kind of God allows evil and suffering in the world? Or what kind of God doesn't stop the evil and suffering in the world? And it seems like there are all kinds of things going on in our world right now that we could ask this specifically about. We could ask, what kind of God lets a virus show up into the world and shut down most of it? And do that shut down, what kind of God allows all these job losses that are going on in our country? What kind of God doesn't stop the loss of life? That is happening because of the coronavirus. And then in the middle of it all, there's unrest and riots that started following the killing of George Floyd. What kind of God doesn't put an end to this and just stop it all? And now in California, we have these wildfires raging. What kind of God allows this kind of destruction? And there are reports elsewhere in the world, in Ethiopia, there's Christians, followers of God, who are being targeted and attacked and killed. What kind of God allows his own people to go through this? There's a major human trafficking problem in our country and in the world. What kind of God allows this type of things to happen? Or maybe a more personal question is, what kind of God doesn't answer my prayer? To heal someone close to me? Or what kind of God doesn't help me to change when I'm in, stuck in this destructive pattern and I want to change, but it just doesn't seem to happen? You see, we struggle with this question because we think, how can a good and powerful God exist 
when there's so much evil in the world? This is what philosophers and theologians call the problem of evil. The problem is, how can both a good and loving God exist in a corrupt and broken world like we see it all around us? Most people who reject the idea of God, they don't reject the possibility of him existing. They reject that they, they reject what they know about him. Most people agree there's some higher power in existence, but where we get stuck is we get stuck on our view of God. And it's easy to have a distorted view of who he is. George Buttrick was a former chaplain at Harvard. And when students would come into his office and say, I don't believe in God, he would say, sit down and tell me what kind of God you don't believe in. I probably don't believe in that God either. So for our time this morning, we are going to take all of our views about God both the true and the distorted, and we're going to ask the question, what kind of God is the God of the Bible? Specifically, as it relates to this broken world that we live in and the question of why is there evil and suffering in the world? And then where is God in the middle of all this? Now, it's important when we look at this question to understand A couple things. One of those is we need to understand that Christianity is not alone in having to answer this question of why is there evil and suffering in the world? Evil and suffering exist. Therefore, any worldview or religion or philosophy needs to explain why that is. If evil and suffering cause you to reject the God of the Bible, then you have to find a religion or a philosophy or a worldview or an ideology that will explain the evil and suffering that you see around you. Even if you believe, if you don't believe in God at all, if you choose to be an atheist, how does that explain evil and suffering? It honestly, it it can't because atheists believe that there is an inherent goodness in humans. And this goodness will naturally evolve into this upwards progression of this naturalistic evolution. And so according to that worldview, our world should be getting more noble, more good, more peaceful. And according to that belief system, the world should should be getting better every day. But it's not, as we can all see. So how does Christianity explain evil and suffering? One of the big sticking points in this for people is that the Bible says God is all powerful, says he is good. And if that's true, which it is, then why doesn't he just wipe out all the evil and suffering in the world? Why doesn't he just take care of it? That's a big question. And the answer to it, it's more of a story than it is a textbook bullet point answer to to the question. And the answer to this question, it starts with creation, which we find in the book of Genesis in the Bible. You see, God created mankind to love. 
Genesis 1, 27 and 28 talks about this. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Here we see that God created the human race in his image. And he created us to rule over the world that he created. So he gave us special uh, standing to take care of the creation that he had just created. And then he created us to love us. He blessed us. He wants to relate with us. But you see, real, authentic love and relationship cannot be forced. I'm, I'm the dad of four kids, and you cannot force them to have relationship with one another. If you do, it's not real. It's fake. Uh, I, I have been coaching my kids on clearing up conflict that was going on. And at the end of it, I said, why don't you guys give each other a hug? And right after I said that, I realized this isn't, this, this was probably the dumbest idea I could have because it's the most awkward hug. They're still working through getting over what just happened. And now I'm forcing them to hug each other. You see, forced love and relationship, it's not real and authentic. If God forced us to love him, to obey him, to have a relationship with him, we would look like this. We would just be a bunch of robots programmed to do exactly what God wanted us to do. It wouldn't be a real relationship. And God didn't do that. He didn't make us just these robots that do exactly what he says. He gave us choice. He gave us freedom to love him or to reject him. And we see that in how he gave us boundaries and freedom. Genesis 2, 15 through 17 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So God set up this boundary for Adam and Eve in the garden. Eat whatever you want from any part of the garden, but not this one tree. You see what's happening here is he is setting up choice for them. He's he's giving them freedom to love him or to reject him and go their own way. And we see that we rebelled and sin entered into the world. Genesis 3, 6 6 and 7 says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, And that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both were opened 
And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. This was a purposeful decision that was made by Adam and Eve to go against the boundaries that God had set up, to reject God's way of life and go their own way. They're deciding that their ways are better than what God had said to do. And when that choice happened, sin entered into the world. James Emery White in the book, he says, and then all hell broke loose because that is what happened. Evil and suffering are a result of our choice to reject God's ways of living and do life on our own. And we can't just blame Adam and Eve for their original choice because what the Bible talks about and what we all know is we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have all chosen to go our own way apart from the way that God says to live our life. G.K. Chesterton was a famous English writer, philosopher, lay theologian, theologian, and journalist, and he was asked to write an article for the London Times on what's wrong with the world. His response, I am. So that's the origin of evil and suffering. It's us. It comes out of the choices that we make to reject God and live life our own way. You might be thinking, okay, that's great. So now we know the origin of all all the evil and the suffering, but but where's God now? Why doesn't he just put a stop to it all? Well, part of the answer to this question is what we all are all experiencing around us in this world. And that is that we're all experiencing the groans of creation as a result of sin. Romans 8.22 says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Philip Yancey is an author who's devoted much of his life to studying um, things like evil and suffering. And after Princess Diana's death in that tragic car accident, he was asked by a television producer to appear on a show and respond and explain why God would allow such a tragedy to happen. His response was, could it be that it had something to do with the drunk driver going 90 miles per hour in a narrow tunnel? How exactly is God involved in that? He went on to give more examples, like the boxer, Ray Mancini. He killed a Korean boxer in the ring. He was quoted as saying, sometimes I I wonder why God does the things that he does. There's also a letter that was written to a Christian therapist by a woman who got pregnant from her boyfriend. And she wanted to know why God would allow this to happen. Yancey goes on and he says, what exactly was the role of God that he played in the Princess Diana car accident or a boxer pummeling his opponent to death or a teenager abandoning her virtue. God let them choose, and they did. That's on us, not on God. So why does God let us choose and continue to let us choose and have this freedom? 
He does this because he really loves us. If you truly love, there's risk with that. There's risk of suffering. There's risk of loss. There's risk of rejection. God has refused to let the perils of authentic, real love prevent him from loving us. C.S. Lewis, who's the author of the Chronicles of Narnia and a lot of Christian works, he said, Try to exclude the possibility of suffering which the order of nature and the existence of free will involves, and you will find that you have excluded life itself. God hasn't stepped in to eliminate evil because to do so would require that he eliminates life itself. We should rejoice that he has not done this. If God wiped out all evil, all wrongdoing, every person who committed harm against another just once, even a tiny little bit of hurt towards someone, how many of us would live to see the dawn? I know I wouldn't. Personally, I am grateful that God, God is exercising restraint and not just wiping out all the evil and suffering in the world. I want to wrap up our time together by looking more closely now at where is God in all of this? Where is he in the middle of all the evil and the suffering that we see? And the answer is he is here. He's never left us alone. He's not asleep somewhere, just letting it all happen. You see, the presence of sin and evil doesn't mean that there's an absence of God in the good that he brings. On the contrary, we can face evil because of God in his holiness and purity. He shows us another way to live. And this other way is found in. In him, in his love that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, down onto our earth, lived a real life and died on the cross. Take a look at Romans 5, 8 and what it says. It says, but God shows his love to us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The heart of the Christian faith is that God came down to earth in the form of Jesus, and he suffered. He knows pain. He knows suffering and hunger and injustice and cruelty because he experienced it. Jesus on the cross was God entering into our world, into the reality of human suffering, and experiencing it just like we do, in order to demonstrate that even when we used our free will and continued to turn away from God, God is there. His love is always pursuing us. His love has never ended. While we cannot escape sin, God sent his son to redeem us and rescue us. God has given the greatest answer to our questions. He has given us 
himself. This is what we need to keep coming back to. We cannot answer all the whys and know fully why bad things happen in our world, why people suffer that the way that they do. But this promise is true. God came near when he sent his son. And we're not alone. He is still near to us. Light has come into the darkness and we get glimpses of that light in our world. We get glimpses of it in a lot of different ways. One of those ways is that when we are suffering, God draws near. He draws close to us. Last year, my wife spent uh, a couple different times in the hospital and she has a chronic illness that um, that put her in the hospital. And on a specific occasion where I was about the lowest I had been in the middle of all that was going on, just all the busyness, taking care of the kids and working and visiting her at the hospital, I, I was at the end of my rope and I felt like I don't know how I'm going to keep doing this. God sent me an encouraging word through my eight-year-old son. I was putting them to bed, and we're talking about what was going on and getting ready to pray. And my eight-year-old son just said, "We have, you know, we just have to trust God that he's doing something good And with mom being in the hospital. God used that to encourage and strengthen me. When I was struggling with trusting, what is God doing here? Where is he in the middle of this? God was near to my son and gave him the faith to choose to think what was right in the situation. And God used that to encourage me, to strengthen me. That faith response, it just showed that God was drawing near to him, that God's spirit was speaking truth to my son. And there was far more that was happening in this situation than I could see. God was using it for his glory and his honor. And I, I still don't know all that he was doing in that situation. God is right here with us, ready to help us go through whatever evil or suffering that we are going through, and he is faithful to his word, like we see Romans eight twenty eight says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So what kind of God is the God of the Bible? He is love. So much love that he didn't create us to be robots, but he's given us freedom and choice to choose to love him or not. He's taken the risk because he loves us so much. So much love that he stepped into our world in the form of Jesus Christ and his experience, the suffering and the pain, the rejection of death. On a cross. You see, the story of every believer is we're not saved by good that we do. We can't do enough to make up the gap in our relationship to God. The story of every Christian is 
that God stepped into our life, showed us the truth about who he was, who he is, and who his son was, and how we can admit that we're sinners, believe that Jesus is God's son, commit our life to follow him, and that restores our relationship with God, and we can spend eternity with him in heaven. That's the story of every Christian. And God loves us so much that he promises to be right there with us, helping us to get through whatever consequences we are experiencing from evil and suffering in the world that we brought on. God draws near to us, and he is there to help us. That's my God. That's the one true God. And if you have not made that decision yet to follow the God of the Bible, I encourage you to do that today. Check the box on the connection card that says, contact me about becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. Love to have a conversation with you, a dialogue where you can get any questions answered that you have. And if you, if you're ready, you can Take that step of committing your life to follow God and do life his way. Experience the blessing that it is to have brothers and sisters around you, community who are supporting you, who are for you, and experiencing the blessing that it is to do life God's way. I invite you to do that today. I also invite you to take another next step that you might want to take in response to the message. Like maybe you want to request the Christianity for people who aren't Christians book and start reading it this week. Whether you're a Christian or you're not yet a Christian, read the book. It will really help you. It will strengthen your faith as you see the evidence that God is real. Jesus is who he said he was. Another next step is you might want to read Romans 8 uh, this week and take notes on the hope and promises of Christ. What kind of God allows evil and suffering? It's a God who loves us enough to not wipe us off the face of the earth. It's a God who loves us enough to help us get through the consequences of our the sin in our life and the consequences of just what sin brought into the world. God loves us. He will be there with us. Let's pray and ask for his help this week. God, we thank you so much that you give us this consistent worldview in the Bible that explains why evil and suffering exists. And we thank you that you didn't choose just to wipe us off the face of the earth, but you choose to continue to love and pursue us. I pray for those of us who haven't yet committed their lives to Christ, I ask, Lord, that you would help them to make that decision. Get any answer, questions answered and start a relationship with you. I pray for those who are already Christians. I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen our faith, that we would have confidence in you and share about our faith with others. God, we ask for your help this week. Help us to do these things. In Jesus' name, amen.